As we celebrate Thanksgiving this week, many of us will gather with our families and our friends and we'll enjoy a great meal together. We'll enjoy times of conversation and we will give thanks to the Lord for all that he's done for us. What are the things that we're thankful for? We're thankful for our families. We're thankful for the friends that we have. We're thankful for the basic necessities of life, shelter, our homes, the food that we have to eat, clothing, and as well on top of that, all the abundance of things that the Lord has blessed us with, even over and above our basic necessities of life. As Christians, we're thankful for the Lord Jesus Christ, aren't we, and His grace and what God has done for us that we could never even hope to imagine to begin to do on our own. So we're thankful for many things. And I was thinking about the, the concept of thankfulness and thinking about it in terms of Thanksgiving this week and, and really just in general, that when we are thankful for something, almost without fail, it is for something good, isn't it? It's for something positive. When we gather this week for Thanksgiving, we're going to give thanks for good things that the Lord has given to us, good things that have happened in our lives. But this is 2020, right? 2020 has been filled with hardship for a lot of people. This pandemic, this coronavirus has thrown a lot of people's lives upside down. And it's been a worldwide thing, hasn't it? And this is not just a local thing. This is not just in our family, in our church. This is across the world. And some people's lives have been uh, directly impacted by it in the most profound of ways. Some have lost loved ones because of this pandemic, because of this disease. Uh, people have suffered the sickness themselves. They've recovered, but maybe it's been a hard, it's been a hard road and difficult recovery They've gone through it. Many people have lost jobs this year because of how this has impacted our economy. So there's a lot of, a lot of people going through adversity this year. If you're on social media at all, if you're on the internet at all, you've probably seen different memes and different uh, slogans and things about what 2020 has been like. Uh, my wife shared this one with me a little while ago. Uh, if you uh, remember all these complex word problems in math when you were in high school, you'll appreciate this. If 2020 was a math problem, if 2020 was a math problem, if you are walking on the ice cream at five ounces per toaster and your bicycle loses a sock, how much gravy will you need to repaint the hamster? That's 2020 if it were a math problem. I have no idea how to solve that. Uh, you probably, I saw, came across a picture. Uh, you've seen different memes. If, if, 20, if, if uh, 2020 is like, and it has a picture of a kid sliding down a metal slide and at the end of it is a cheese grater. <laughs> Not fun. That's 2020. 2020 has been a difficult year for a lot of people. What is there to give thanks for this year? Can we give thanks in the midst of adversity? Can we give thanks even in the midst of difficult things? Well, listen to what Paul says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5, Rejoice 
Always, right? Always. Pray continually. Give thanks when? In all circumstances, in every situation. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And so Paul tells us to rejoice always, to give thanks in all circumstances. And Paul knew what it was like to be in times of adversity, didn't he? Probably more than any of us, Paul knew what it was like to be in adversity. He gives a list of it in Corinthians. He's been shipwrecked, he's been stoned, he's been left half dead, beaten. He went through it all for the sake of the cause of Christ. In Philippians, he writes, rejoice always. And again, I say rejoice, and he's writing that while he's in prison. So Paul went through adversity. He tells us that we can rejoice always, that we can give thanks in every circumstance. But can we really be thankful in times of great trial, in times of great adversity? What if your life was on the line? What if you're about possibly to die that night as a martyr for Christ or for God? I was struck this week by the story of Daniel in the lion's den. Because of something that Daniel says in, in that story, You remember that story, right? And Daniel, well, Daniel in the lion's den, Daniel is a, a, someone who has risen to power and there are other officials who are jealous of him. They want to try to get rid of him. And so they trump up this plan, this scheme to get rid of Daniel. They realize the only way they can do it is to find something with regards to Daniel's God, his, his faith in the one true God of Israel, because He is a person of utmost integrity. He has done nothing in terms of the law, in terms of his position within uh, the Persian government to do anything that would cause him to get in trouble with the king. So they got to manufacture something. So they come before Darius and they say, hey, Darius, we've got a great idea. Let's make a decree. You pass it, you sign it. It goes into law that no one can pray to anybody except you, O king, for 30 days. In the ancient world, that seems odd to us that people would pray to a king, but not in the ancient world. In the ancient world, the kings were gods. The kings represented the gods. And for a a person like Darius, who was at this point in world history, probably the most powerful person on earth, who controlled the largest amount of territory and people in, in, in the Persian kingdom, these guys come to him and appeal to his pride and say, Let, make everybody pray to you for 30 days. He agrees, doesn't realize he's being duped. He's being tricked because he likes Daniel. He loves Daniel. He has caused Daniel to rise to this position of power and was ready to hand Daniel the reins of all the administration of his kingdom because Daniel had been so faithful. But he's tricked by these other officials and he puts it into law. And notice what Daniel does in Daniel chapter 6, verse 10. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the window opened toward Jerusalem. And three three times a day, he got down on his knees and he prayed. What's the next phrase? Giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. 
I don't know about you, but every other time that I've really focused on this story, when I've heard messages preached about this story, uh, when we get to verse 10, we focus on the fact that, that Daniel has had a life of prayer, and that's been his pattern, and he doesn't change that pattern for anybody, for king, uh, for any law, because he is faithful to God. And that's absolutely a right application that we can draw from Daniel chapter 6, verse 10. But I don't know that I've ever really stopped and focused on the fact that when Daniel prays, in this instance, he prays with thanksgiving. He prays with a thankful heart on a day when he may surely die. That's adversity, isn't it? I mean, a law has been passed. Daniel knows about the law. And he continues to do what he's always done, and that is to pray, but in prayer specifically to thank God. What did Daniel have to thank God for? Well, if you know the whole story of Daniel, Daniel had a lot to thank God for. Yes, Daniel was a captive. He was an exile, taken away from Jerusalem into Babylon when he was a young man. But God watched over him that whole time, didn't he? God blessed Daniel in every situation, every predicament, every difficulty that Daniel went through, God was there for him. God protected him. God watched over him. He watched over his friends when they were thrown into the fiery furnace. Daniel was not only cared for by God, but he was blessed by God and given great insight and wisdom to interpret the king's dreams. He received visions. He was given positions of influence within the most powerful kingdoms of the world at that time. Daniel had a lot to be thankful for. But now he's an old man. In the timeline of Daniel's life, he's probably elderly at this point. And I don't know if you thought about that either, that when Daniel is thrown into the lion's den, he's not 20 years old. He's probably 80. He's probably 85. He's been, he's had a long life. And he's an old man And they throw this old man into the lion's den. And now on the eve of that happening, he gets down on his knees and not in secret, not like, well, this is a different situation. Let me keep my windows closed. No, he opened his windows just like he had always done. Why? So he could look out across the horizon toward Jerusalem, which is exactly what Solomon said that exiles ought to do if they're ever taken away from that place in 1 Kings 8. When Solomon dedicated the temple and said, Lord, if we're ever taken away from this place, then let us pray toward this temple and ask for your forgiveness that we may be returned here. So that's what Daniel's doing. He's praying toward God's presence where it was in Jerusalem. And he's giving thanks. And he's giving thanks when he's about to die. Can we give thanks even in the most difficult of circumstances? Well, listen to what Paul says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and verse 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Paul is saying that in every situation we can pray to God. And he, he's thinking about this in terms of anxious situations. 
when are we anxious? We're anxious, we're concerned, we're worried when things are not going well, when there are difficulties, when there are trials that are entering into our lives. And Paul says, in those times of adversity, in those times of difficulty, we don't have to be anxious. Instead, we can go to God and we can lift up our requests, our concern to God with thanksgiving. And so Paul says, at times when we are tempted to be concerned and worried and anxious, he says, at those precise moments, we can be thankful. And we can pray and we can receive God's peace that only the children of God can understand and receive. Why should we be thankful in times of adversity? So Paul has told us, Daniel has showed us by example that we can be thankful in times of adversity, but why should we? I think James gives us at least part of the answer, a big part of the answer in James chapter one, verse two, when he says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Now, he doesn't use the word thanks or thanksgiving, but he does say, consider it joy. Count it all joy. When you face trials of many kinds, be thankful, be joyful, even praise God in the midst of trials and difficulties. Why? Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. James says that one of the reasons why we can and we should be thankful in times of adversity is because what those times of adversity are doing in our lives, in our growth uh, with God, in our growth in the image of Jesus Christ. That's why we can be thankful in times of adversity, because God is putting those things in our lives. God is sovereign. He is providentially in control of all things, both the wonderful times as well as the times of trial and adversity. God is providentially in control of all of those things. And God brings difficulties into our lives according to his wisdom because he is growing us. He is causing us to mature, to become a complete, mature Christian, James says. Let's go back to Daniel for a moment. What would Daniel have to be thankful for that night? Well, we know the rest of the story. We know how it turns out, right? And we could say that Daniel knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that he was going to be rescued that night. And he's thanking God in advance for that. That's possible, but I don't know if I can dogmatically say that that's what Daniel was doing because there's nothing in the passage specifically that says that Daniel knew that God had revealed to him that he was going to be delivered that night. Even back in Daniel chapter 3, when the three young men, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, when they did not bow down to Nebuchadnezzar's statue and they were thrown into the fiery furnace, or they were about to be, they said to Nebuchadnezzar, Our God is strong enough to deliver us, but even if not, we're not going to bow down to you. 
I'm not going to bow down to your statue. And so I can imagine Daniel praying, God, help me, deliver me. But even if not, I'm still going to pray to you because you are my God. And so he's thankful. Daniel may be thanking God for all that God has done in the past, but he may be thanking God even for the opportunity now, even if it's the last moment of his life, to be faithful to God till the end. And to, as his last act of faith, to give his life as a testament, as a witness to his God and the power of his God. And we know that God's people can do that at the most difficult of times because we have an example of it in the life of Stephen, don't we? In Acts chapter 7, Stephen is being hauled out, thrown into this uh, crowd, and a crowd of people is about to stone him and kill him because of his witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. And at that moment... Stephen has confidence in his God and he looks up and he sees Jesus, his savior, standing at the right hand of God. And Stephen at that moment even has the courage and the mercy of heart to say, Lord, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. And he considered it an opportunity to thank his God and to serve his God even at the last moment of his life. But we know the rest of the story and we know that Daniel was delivered, that God in his mighty power shut the mouths of the lions and Darius comes the next morning and he's worried about Daniel. He, he wants God to deliver him. He said even before he threw him in, Daniel, may your God deliver you. And so he rushes there the next morning and he finds Daniel safe and sound. And God is praised as a result, isn't it? God is praised. God is magnified. His fame goes out throughout the world. And I can't help but think that Daniel was thankful for that too. Why can we be thankful in times of adversity? It's because of what God is doing in us and through us and for us. Things that we can't even fully comprehend or understand. Paul says in Romans 8:28, a passage that we know very well. We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. God is working for good. That includes times of adversity and trial. He's weaving them together for good. And what is that good? Verse 29. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he, that is Christ, might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. So James says we can give thanks to God and we can be joyful in times of adversity because God is using it to build us up, to make us mature. That's essentially what Paul is saying in Romans 8, 28 and 29 when he says God is working all these things together. Why? so that we might be conformed to the image of Christ. And those, that can't happen without those times of adversity, without those times of trial. In Philippians 3, Paul says, I'm thankful that I am suffering with Christ so that I might know Christ better, that I might come to know him and the fellowship of his sufferings. 
Paul is thankful even for times of suffering and adversity. And so let me encourage us this Thanksgiving to not just give thanks for the obvious blessings, the things that are on the face of it good, but let us give thanks for all things. Even as we look back over our lives and and maybe just over the last few days or, or weeks, as we look back and see difficult things that have entered into our lives, let us give thanks even for those. Why? Because God is using them. He's using all of those things. And so Christians can give thanks to God in every circumstance, including times of adversity, because God is using every moment of our lives to conform us to the image of his son, Jesus Christ. We can give thanks to God at all times, including times of adversity, because God is using all of those times. God is using every situation, every moment of our lives to conform us to the image of his son, Jesus Christ. Let us give thanks for that. Let us give thanks in every situation because this is God's will for us in Christ Jesus. Let's bow in prayer together. Our Father in heaven, we come before you today just grateful, Father, for the love, for the mercy that you have shown to us. Lord, we are incredibly blessed. It would be impossible for us, Father, to be able to number and keep a record of all of the ways that you have blessed our lives. But Father, the one that always remains at the center of our focus when we praise you and when we thank you is that you in your love, in your mercy, your compassion, that you would reach down to sinners, rebels such as us, and that you would lift us up out of the miry pit and set our feet on a rock, that you would come and search for us, the lost sheep, and bring us home. Father, we're thankful for your grace. And now, Father, we're thankful that because you are our God and because you have made us a part of your family and because you've given us all of these blessings and you've given us the Holy Spirit, that, Lord, you are doing something in our lives that is beyond our comprehension. And that is day by day, moment by moment, all the way to eternity, you are shaping us into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, thank you for that work that you are doing in us. And thank you that you will not leave that work unfinished, but that you will carry it on all the way until the day of Jesus Christ when he comes back for us. So Father, thank you for the work that you're doing in us, even at difficult times and times of adversity. We give you thanks. So Father, may you be praised in our lives, in our church, in our families. And Father, may you receive all the glory. And we pray this in the name of Christ. Amen.